shit pay so I can sit out here and waste my life away. Drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame. What the world's gotten to people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is. Living in the Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here tonight by our host and star of this show, Jerry Truppiano. This is On the Record with Jerry Truppiano, episode 344 on our network. Before we get going and bring Jerry on, I just want to thank two groups of people. First, our subscribers, 57,000 plus and counting right now. We appreciate your support. Your push helped us get on iHeartRadio's very powerful podcast network. Thank you for that. After this show, make sure you follow what you've been doing so far, give Jerry five stars. Make sure you write some nice comments underneath there because we battle the analytics of the podcast world just like they do in professional baseball. Um, make sure you listen to on your normal streaming device, but hit iHeartRadio as well, if you would. Second group, uh, Blackout Coffee, our very first sponsor we took on board. We appreciate the friendship. Their slogan is Be Awake, Not Woke. Uh, they're offering all of our listeners, subscribers, anybody really, if you pass it out to them, if you click on the Blackout Coffee or follow the link on any of our social sites, type in David, capital D-A-V-I-D, all capital letters with the number 20 afterwards, and you'll get 20% off your coffee purchase online. And then following that first purchase, you'll get 15% in perpetuity. So great friendship. We started with Blackout Coffee. Let's support them. And with that, I want to bring on Jerry Trupiano. Jerry, welcome back to your show. Thank you, Dave. It's uh, always fun to rub shoulders with you uh, virtually, I guess. I love it. Yep, I enjoy it. Uh, tonight, one of my favorite people is joining us, John McClain. I met John McClain when I was broadcasting hockey in Houston. He came over from Waco, where he was a uh, writer for the local paper, the uh, uh, Tribune Herald in, in Waco. He's a graduate of Baylor. But get this, it would take me about 20 minutes to read his full resume. He's a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the Texas Sports Hall of Fame and a, a member of the selection committee for both of those organizations. He went on to the Houston Chronicle, longtime football writer for the Chronicle. Right now he's working for the Texans, working for their flagship station. He writes five columns a week, does three podcasts, does weekly radio appearances in Nashville, Knoxville, Las Vegas, Austin, San Antonio, and Waco. He's a member of the Gridiron Legends of Texas, becoming only the third member of the media to be so honored, former past president of the Pro Football Writers Association of America. He's been in nine, count them, nine movies. I've only been in three, but two of mine were nominated for the Academy Award. I was nominated Take for that, supporting, 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 supporting actor, and you aren't. Jerry, it's my pleasure. You and I have hey, known John, each other since 19... 19- 76 when I was 23 and you were 53 and uh, you were kind of a father figure to me and you still are. That would make you what about a, let's say that'd make you 60 to 70, 80, you'd be 103. Yeah, you're awful. You're awful. We, we go back a long way and it's it's been a fun ride every time we, we get together. And I want to talk about the midway point, uh, you're a legend 
in pro football. And, and seriously, one of the great writers we've had in this country for, for a long time. And I thought we'd, we'd kind of assess the NFL season to this point as, as how things have gone. Let me ask you right from the start. Let's go back to August. From what you were thinking about in August to where we are now in November, has the season unfolded as we thought it was? There's always surprises. Too many this is surprises. my 47th year of covering the NFL, and um, and I got to tell you the truth. I do 18 weekly radio shows, I do, including podcast, TV, and in all of them, I picked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl before the season. And the only reason I did it is I wanted to be different. It wasn't because I thought Lamar Jackson could stay healthy or Todd Monken was going to do a great job as the new coordinator or Mike McDonald was going to have the best defense in the NFL. I just put a lot of stock in John Harbaugh, who's always competitive. Lamar Jackson's been hurt in each of the last two seasons, only won one playoff game. And so I knew the division was going to be great, and I thought it'd be them or Cincinnati. And I didn't want to pick Kansas City. Because it's been nobody's repeated as champion since the Patriots in early 2000. I didn't want to pick Philadelphia and still don't because other than the Patriots, no Super Bowl loser has gone back to the Super Bowl since the Steelers in the 90s. So I didn't want to pick Kansas City, didn't want to pick Philadelphia, so I picked Baltimore. And right now, and there's a long way to go. You know the old sayings, not what you do in September and October, but November, December, now January because the season's longer. And we're just getting into November. But the AFC is clearly better, deeper. And right now, Baltimore, Kansas City are the best teams. And I I, I've I don't think anybody from the East, I talk, would have said before the season, Buffalo, maybe Miami, if Tua Tungavailoa could stay healthy, which he's never been able to stay healthy since he was thrust into the lineup at Alabama. And if he somehow stays healthy this year, Jerry, you're going to see a lot of quarterbacks going to take jujitsu because they were supposed to teach him how to fall to keep from hitting his helmet on the ground. It gave him concussions, and so far he hasn't. But I can't. Buffalo's been having big time problems. Miami can't beat a winning team when the weather's good. What are the Dolphins going to do when they got to go east and the weather is bad? And I would have said after a month, San Francisco is going to win the Super Bowl. They've lost three in a row and they very well could lose at Jacksonville. I don't put Jacksonville at six and two with a with a winning streak since the Texans pounded them in Jacksonville by 20 early in the season. I don't put them in the same class as the Ravens and the Chiefs. And Cincinnati's won four in a row after their 0-2 start when Joe Burrow was still recovering from his calf injury. So to me, Cincinnati's right behind Baltimore and Kansas City. And and I think you're going to see three teams from AFC North make it uh, the playoffs and then the NFC. I hate to say this, but because I hate the Cowboys. Nah, it's not I hate the Cowboys. I hate their fans. And uh, and Philadelphia's got the best team, but they still got to play in Arlington, in which Cowboys could win. Cowboys have have clock management issues in big games, whether it's Mike McCarthy 
or Dak Prescott, they are not a smooth operation. Anybody that saw that game Sunday knows it. Anybody that watched them in the playoff knows it. And I still got to think in the 49ers, if they get healthier, they'll be there behind Philadelphia. But right now, the Eagles are have the, not only have the best record in the league, but they also are clearly the best team in the NFC. So maybe there will be another team other than the Patriots lose the Super Bowl and go back. Let's let's stay in the AFC for just a second. You mentioned your fascination with Baltimore before the season started, and you meant, mentioned Lamar Jackson. Is Absolutely. that a Super Bowl winning they got defense? John Harbaugh. He fired Wink Martindale, his longtime coordinator, who won a Super Bowl. He goes to the Giants and helps the Giants last year be the biggest surprise in the NFL and actually win a playoff game. And then, of course, now they've gone down the toilet. But Greg Roman, who'd been his offensive coordinator, he got rid of him and he got Todd Monken to come from Georgia. And the defense is great, best in the NFL right now. There's some, I'm, no, let me take that back. The defense is great and is right there with Cleveland as the best in the NFL right now. Kansas City is playing great defense, not like the other two, but we all think of the Chiefs as an offensive team because of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. But their defense is playing really, really well. But the Ravens, they lose their best running back, J.K. Dobbins, for the season, and they just ran for 298 yards. They are built for Cold weather, snow, wind, rain, they're ready to win on the ground. They're ready to win through the air. And they've got Cleveland coming up. Uh, Sean Watson is healthy. But that's going to – you talk about old-fashioned football. It reminds me of the old uh, NFC East when they were all great and it was physical and it was nasty with Philadelphia and Dallas and Washington and the Giants. That that In that division – there's three great defenses. Pittsburgh's got a great one. Cleveland's got a great one. Baltimore's got a great one. Cincinnati does not, but Cincinnati may have the best offense. I can't wait to see how that division plays out. They're going to beat up on each other, and probably a team from another division is going to get home field advantage. That's what happens when your defense is so uh, outstanding. We we started this conversation. I said, looking at the NFL back in August, and at that time, every everybody was so fired up about the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. You know, I that, can't hold that, that against them. Wendell's in a hurry, didn't got it? hurt, and I don't buy that he's coming back. Anybody that's seen that offensive line, why would he want to come back? I mean, yeah. he's he he wouldn't be a hundred percent. Yeah, and it just Good makes point. no sense. Just take your loss, get a high draft choice. And then uh, uh, put get somebody in the offensive line, spend a little money up front. He's going to play again next year. He's got no wear and tear on his body. And another interesting storyline that's developed, of course, is New England. There's a report in the Boston Globe, and you know you live up there, that if the Patriots lose in Germany, Bill Belichick could be fired. I don't buy that for a minute, even though that's a reputable uh, newspaper and got great reporters. Robert Kraft is, has he ever done anything as an owner, not when he's having fun off the field, 
But has he ever done anything that said third class, second class? No, all first class. You think he's going to fire Bill Belichick, who's won all those Super Bowls for him and Matt put money in his, so much money in his pocket and allowed Kraft to build things all around the stadium, uh, entertainment that goes into his pocket primarily? I don't see it. I could see it after the season, not during the season. It's amazing how bad that organization has fallen. And since you've been up there all those years, I got to tell you something I read last week, and it's true. It was never the Patriot way. It was the Brady way. And when Brady couldn't stand working for Belichick any longer, and he wanted to go work for a guy like Bruce Arians, who's easy on players and quarterbacks, the Patriots have been awful, and they have been terrible Belichick has a terrible record when he doesn't have Brady. And so that storyline is going to be one of the most interesting in the NFL, even if he did sign an extension in the offseason. As we've seen with the Raiders, those owners don't care. There's a report that it's going to cost Mark Davis of the Raiders like $85 million to pay off his GM, his coach, and the other people that are out uh, after he made the changes last week. One of the reasons I would put some stock into what you say about Belichick at the end of the season, I don't know if you saw the pregame show on Fox last weekend, Jimmy Johnson, who's one of Belichick's closest friends, alluded to that there looks like there's going to be changes coming in New England. And I don't want to put words in his mouth, but but it, it sounded like, you know, it could be as, as, as high as, as Belichick. And you're right, Brady was so much a part of the success of of the Patriots and and I wonder I wonder if if Robert Kraft would go to well Brady considering he's get his you know he's got a, he's trying to get an ownership in the Raiders and he has an ownership in Mark Davis's uh, uh, Las Vegas Aces NBA in WNBA championship team I kind of think he wouldn't at least not where it would get out and today you always have to worry about stuff getting out. I was told, Jerry, back at the Combine by people who covered that team forever and I trust that Belichick's on the hot seat. Kraft was not happy with what has happened uh, since Brady's been gone. Not happy with Mac Jones's progress. Well, they wanted to bring back Bill O'Brien, who was a really good coordinator when Brady was the quarterback. And now how's that worked out? And with Mac Jones, they're terrible. They've got and got to start over. And I was asking one of my shows today, would teams line up to get Bill Belichick? And I'm like, okay, he's going to be 73 next year. He has to have total control of everything, the socks and jocks and the pens and the pencils. And he's going to have to get his kind of players that can take his heavy-handedness and that's not going to happen overnight. So do you want to do something like that? I'm sure somebody would be interested in him. And somebody said, well, what about Mark Davis? He wants Brady as a partner. He could bring back Belichick. Well, he's just crazy enough to do it. But there's also people saying he might go after Jim Harbaugh, huh. depending on what happens with that scandal. And uh, But I would not want to replace Bill Belichick in New England, just like I wouldn't want to be Mac Jones basically replacing Brady 
when you only have one way to go for the organization. It's almost like they need to cut all ties and just start over, tear it down to the studs like the Texans did two years ago, and they have a plan for five years, and it starts with trying to get a great young quarterback. They thought they had one in Mac Jones, but his career has gone downhill since he was so impressive as a rookie. John McLean, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame member, the Texas Sports Hall of Fame hey, member, what about a great writer, and we're, we're talking about the uh, NFL. And this... That's what you used I was going to say mega media star, okay? Right. I got to tell, I'll, tell I'll, your listeners a couple stories about yeah. you. And I can stay on as long as you want. Uh, the way I met Jerry, uh, he was play-by-play guy for the Houston Arrows hockey team, Gordy Marty and Mark Howe, and I was hired to cover him, never seen a hockey game. He put me on the radio for a road trip, and then we came back to Houston, and we hit it off, and he put me on a few more times. At one time, you may not even remember this, y'all decided to pay $100 per appearance. I was making $19,000, and I think I, I got all your money, and then y'all stopped. But in 85, you gave me a chance to do a regular show, and I've been doing regular shows here in Houston ever since. I'm on six times a week here on Sports Radio 610. But And Jerry also did the Astros, and he also did the Oilers, and uh, – you could get a whole show sometime just telling your stories about Milo Hamilton. And, I, and I'll never forget Jerry Glanville. Jerry Glanville had been the defensive coordinator of the Houston Oilers, and then he backstabbed the head coach, Hugh Campbell, to become a head coach. And he was a really good coach, but his ego just got the best of it. And Jerry, uh, back then, Coaches in the NFL could do their own radio shows. Today, you can't do anything. You know, the club controls everything. So Jerry called Jerry Truppiano and asked him if he'd like to come on KTRH and do a, a show. And Jerry Glanville goes, yeah, I'd like that. That'd be great. And so Jerry Truppiano says, all right, well, we'll get a deal together. And he goes, but wait, there's one thing you got to do. What's that? You got to fire John McClain. Well, why would I do that? Because all he does is write lies about me and tell lies on your show about me. And everybody knows Glanville only lied when his lips moved. So you told him you want to have him on the show, but you're not firing me. And he threatened to go to the competition, which he did. And he said he would be doing that show long after you and I were gone. I'm still here. And you were here for a long time till you went to the Red Sox. And Jerry Glanville has disappeared into oblivion somewhere in Tennessee. If you fired me, take on you, Jerry you Glanville. You got to stand up for your friends. I would still I, be on I mean, the radio right course. now. So I've always told people there's about three people in my career have helped me do that I wouldn't be where I am today without them. And you're certainly one of them. Thank you. Thank you for those kind words. Uh, let's go back to Belichick for just a second, because I, I I had a thought. You know, they t- they talk about yeah, coaching trees in the National Football League. Paul Brown, Tom Landry, Bill Wall, and and yeah, his his coaching tree. And the is reason is very this: illustrious, is it? The guys who were hired, Eric Mangini, 
uh, Josh McDaniels twice, and there's been others. The only one who has a winning record was Bill O'Brien, who was a head coach here in Houston. He had a winning record, won four division titles in five years, two playoff games. He's also the only one who's won two playoff games. And I talked to him about this one time, and he said, well, I learned a lot from Bill, but I worked for other coaches too that I learned a lot from, and I kind of combined it. Where most of these other guys knew one way, the Belichick way, So they tried to be Belichick, bully people, control everything. Josh McDaniels fired early in two seasons. He'll never be a head coach again. Made his reputation as coordinator, coaching Tom Brady. You and I could have coached Tom Brady. And which reminds me of a great story that I, excuse me, when uh, the New York Giants in the late 50s, uh, say a writer would go to their facility and walk down a hallway and he'd see this dark room and it would have a projector, a projecting film on the wall, lights out, and the guy drawing up the offensive game plan, Vince Lombardi. And he'd go to the next office and look in, dark room, film projector on the wall, drawing up the defensive game plan, Tom Landry. And then he walked down to the head coach's office, big old nice office for back then, Jim Lee Howe, he'd have his feet up on the desk reading the newspapers. I've always loved that. I had to be the best head coaching job you could get anywhere. And I think we see that. We see things like that here. And by the way, and you might know this better than me on Belichick, Gerard Mayo, people are talking about, oh, Robert Kraft loves Mike Vrabel. He'd like to hire Mike Vrabel. Ain't happening. Mike Vrabel coaches the Titans. He's under contract. The owner there, Amy Adams Strunk, loves Mike Vrabel. And so Gerard Mayo, who's played for Belichick, is on that staff, was going to interview for the Carolina job during the offseason. They gave him a huge raise in the contract not to interview. Now, if you don't have plans for that guy to be your head coach, why would you do that? Yeah. What about uh, what? What about a- any team that you think? I wish you'd tell me. You'd ask me that question last week, and here's why: When Carol and I we went to Vegas for the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, and I I don't ever gamble, but she likes to gamble, and we used to go to Vegas during the NCAA Final Four, and she grew up as a diehard Washington Redskins fan. So she'll bet like 100 bucks on the Redskins to win the Super Bowl. Too bad she didn't do it in 82, 87, and 91. And, of course, they never do. And I looked at some odds, and I said, you know what? Why don't you bet $100 on Seattle at 66 to 1? She said, why do you think? I said, well, they got a head coach and GM, been there forever. Geno Smith proved he's a legitimate quarterback. They had a great draft last year. They're going to have a good draft this year. They're loaded, loaded with draft choices from the Broncos. And I felt real good about that and the odds until they played in Baltimore, six first downs. I I guess I still think they'll make the playoffs, but to me they're a surprise team. If you look at the divisions, Jerry, let's go to the NFC East. Should be Buffalo or Miami. That's not a surprise. If you go to the NFC uh Uh, AFC South, 
it's going to be Jacksonville, AFC North, Baltimore, Cincinnati, AFC West, Kansas City. NFC West should be 49ers, maybe the Seahawks. NFC South, who knows? I'm guessing New Orleans. And NFC East, Philadelphia, and NFC North is going to be Detroit. I love the Detroit story. The last time, let's see, they haven't won a they've won one playoff game since the 50s. So you and I were probably two or three years old, and they won two Super Bowl, I mean two championships. Buddy Parker, who was the coach then, we're finally putting him in the Hall of Fame. You win two championships with the Lions, you should have been in a long time ago. You mentioned Paul Brown earlier in those coaching trees, and I forgot I got off 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 the subject about those about Belichick's failures with his coaches, but uh, Buddy Parker owned Paul Brown. You had mentioned Paul Brown and his coaching tree, which was a great one. And uh, I think I love their colors. I love Dan Campbell. He's an Aggie, a Texan, and uh, from Texas A&M, right up. The road from Houston. I loved him on Hard Knocks last year. Defense coordinator Aaron Glenn finished his career here with the Texans. Played 15 years. They they're very exciting. They got they got obliterated at Baltimore, just like Seattle. But I think they're the best team in the NFC North. I I would love to see Detroit get in the Super Bowl. I don't not saying they will, but what a great story it would be. And back to Belichick's coaching tree, it's wilted because they all, except for O'Brien, try to be like Bill, and there's only one Bill. Yeah. Hey, how good is that it's, young it's quarterback crowd with the Texans? Uh, last season, the Texans went to Indy for the last game. And uh, in that last game, they scored on their last drive, and kick an extra point, it goes into overtime. Instead, Lovey Smith, the coach, went for two. We knew he wasn't going to make it because Texans never made squat. And they made it. They made the two-point conversion. Everybody went ballistic. Fans, media, social media, people with the team, because they blew their chance to get Bryce Young. Oh, my God. How stupid could they be? So they got stuck with C.J. Stroud. And there was that talk that, the uh, cognitive test. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. It was a new one. It came out. It, no, no, not the wonder. Look, this is a new the Warlick, one. It's a Warlick uh, test? Cognition test. And uh, he scored the worst. And everybody it's got out in the media. He can't diagnose. He can't make quick decisions. Let me tell you something. That kid has been fantastic. The game I saw on Sunday against Tampa Bay. The Bucks got a good defense with Todd Bowles, a really good a head coach, not a good head coach, but a good defensive coordinator. And the Texans lost six players, four on defense. They lost their kicker. They had a four-string running back have to kick. They went for two every time but one. And no, they went for two every time. And they uh, they had no running game whatsoever. Every odd was stacked against them, and they get the ball with 46 seconds left on their 25. I saw at the back of the press box, fans were leaving in droves, and 40 seconds later, Stroud threw his fifth touchdown pass. 
400 completed 71%, five touchdowns, 470 yards, no interceptions, 147.9 rating. And uh, it was probably, it was the best performance by a quarterback in NFL this year. One of the two or three best by a rookie in NFL history. The only one I've ever seen better in Houston was Warren Moon in 1990, Kansas City, December. Rain, wind, cold as hell, and he threw for 527 yards, second in NFL history to Norm Van Brocklin's 554. That, because of the conditions, was the greatest I've seen. But Stroud, he's been, he is the toast of the NFL. He's been on every show. He's humble. He's poised, cool, calm, and collected. People said, oh, he threw to all those great receivers at Ohio State. They made him. Now people are going, hmm, maybe he helped make those receivers. And he's such a good kid. So they got stuck with him at number two, and people go, thank God. I hate to do this to you as a good friend, but I've got to ask, who who's on a hotter seat in Dallas? McCarthy, the head coach, or Prescott, the I would uh, thank Mike McCarthy, although people, you know, Jerry Jones doesn't fire. He's not like. Mark Davis changing coaches every two years. He hangs on to coaches uh, quite a while. And uh, they thought with Kellen Moore, they ran him off. He went to the Chargers. McCarthy wanted to call plays all along. Had said in his introductory news conference, I'm calling plays. A week later, uh, Kellen's calling plays because Jerry Jones told him. And uh, they have – the mistakes they made at the end of the Philadelphia game are kind of contagious, habitual, where the the Eagles don't make mistakes. Their clock management is good. Texans, with D'Amico Ryans, his coordinator for two years, he makes every good decision when it comes to the clock management strategy. McCarthy does not. I believe it's his 17th season. Shouldn't you have that stuff down by now? I mean, he's won a Super Bowl, but he did it with Aaron Rodgers. So Dak Prescott's next year's got to think $59 million cap figure. So I'm guessing that they're going to redo that contract to lower the figure, and he'll definitely be back. Not sure if Mike McCarthy will be back. I'm saying he is because I'm, I'm not predicting this. I'm just throwing it out there. Early in the year when I did it, people were like, wow. Now who? The Deion Sanders. If he can get the if he can get the linemen that are keeping him from winning, that could Jerry Jones reach out and bring him back to Dallas? Interesting. I'm who, sorry, what you ask? disappointment as a team this year? Who's your biggest disappointment uh, as a team One of this them year? is the Chargers. I thought the Chargers were going to be so much better with uh, with uh, Kellen Moore as the play caller because I thought he did a really good job in Dallas. And uh, you know, I, I never expect anything from New England. The Jets got an excuse for being bad. Uh, there's nobody from the NFC South or the AFC South. Uh, Green Bay. I thought Jordan Love's going to be better, but they're not a disappointment because they didn't make the playoffs last year. And, you know, the Giants, I'm guessing maybe 
the Giants because they did get to the divisional round of the playoffs, even though they did it with mirrors. And, you know, they got Daniel Jones going to make $47 million, and now they're probably going to have to draft a quarterback. Isn't it amazing, Jerry, how many teams always seem to need quarterbacks? There's going to be some tanking. There's going to be trades like the Panthers did with the Bears to move up to get Bryce Young because this is a deeper quarterback class. And uh, there's just so many of them that need them and so many of them that make mistakes. And I think, and you, you've you covered NFL long enough, I think you'll agree, a lot of times it's not the players, it's the coaching, the system, the terminology, just not knowing how. I don't know why teams don't pay more money for quarterback coaches who spend the most time with quarterbacks, more than the coordinators, but they don't. They're kind of an afterthought. What happened to Buffalo? After they scored 45 on Miami, I thought that's the Super Bowl team that everybody predicted. You can't run the ball. When you play in Buffalo and the weather's bad and the wind comes blowing off the lake and you've got to be able to run the ball, they can't. They count too much on Josh Allen to run. And, yes, he loves to do it. He's 6'5", he's 255, he's built like a tight end, but he's a big target. They thought – they let their running back for the last three years, Devin Singletary, leave as a free agent. He signed with Houston to be the backup. And they thought James Cook was going to step up, and he hasn't. To me, until they get a good running game, they're always going to be capable – of blowing games because they play in bad weather and they play where it's windy all the time. You know, you've been there, you know what it's like. And so I would think Buffalo, but Miami playing three teams with winning records and getting pounded Miami, considering how great their passing game is, but if if they can't win those games, when the weather's good, what are they going to do when they got to go North? Northeast and the Midwest play. So they've been a disappointment, got a winning record. Buffalo has been, but still got a winning record. Buffalo, I think, has a better chance of turning it around than Miami. We've talked about the importance of the quarterback, and, and, and rightfully so. But has the league undervalued the importance of I saw somebody put out backs. a midseason all-pro team today that had Derrick Henry as the running back. And I'm thinking, what planet have you been on? And the same person had Nick Bosa as his first team defensive end. And Nick Bosa, I think he got it mixed up with Joey Bosa, who had two and a half sacks because he didn't do squat after he got that big contract. Now he's rounding into shape and he'll maybe great the rest of the year. And, and I don't, if you look at the running backs right now, who's great? Josh Jacobs led the NFL in rushing last year. Josh McDaniels ruined him. First game, McDaniels gone. He rushes for 98 yards and two touchdowns. I don't think it's devaluing the running backs as it was strategy. You go from seven on seven in high schools, which the kids love. Then they get to college. All they do is throw the ball, most of them. So they come into the NFL, the linemen, they want to pass protect. They don't want to run block. And you just don't see it like you used to. And uh, there's some good ones out there, but they're just not using them enough. Plus, teams think they need more than one. 
and I'm saying the old days, when I say the old days, I'm talking about, say, the 90s back, you know, you had a back and he'd get the ball 25 times a game if he need a breather. Other guy might come in and get it three or four. Now they, most of them want it to be running back by committee unless there's clearly a good one. I remember a conversation I had with a, a legend years ago when, when I was broadcasting for the Oilers in Houston. And it, it was Bud Wilkinson, legendary coach at Oklahoma, who was coaching at that time the St. Louis Football Cardinals. And I said, let's talk about, let's talk about your, your uh, uh, players, the, the, uh, the ones that really make things go on offense. And I thought about, you know, I thought he's got to talk about the quarterback and the running back receivers. He says the offensive line makes it go. That that is an area that when you mentioned uh, the Jets and Aaron Rodgers coming back with that offensive line team teams if, if they can I'll put that you offensive what, line what's together, happened to offensive who knows what an offense today. can do. The last two collective bargaining agreements, instead of getting a lot more money, they push for time off. You know when you were when you were uh, broadcasting, say for the Oilers, they would come to training camp. And they'd training camps would be six to seven weeks, and they'd have full contact from day one, full pads, and they would have two, two and a half hour practices a day. Today, you cannot put on shoulder pads in off season programs, so you can't hit. You get to training camp, you have shells on instead of full pads for like three days, so you can get in practice shape. And then one of the reasons they do it today is the players stay in such great shape because the facilities will give them three meals a day. They have the greatest equipment you could ever want. And they know the longer they play, the more money they're going to make. But um, it's, it's, it's strange to me. They say that linemen need to hit more than anybody. They need to be able to block people, pass them off, communicate, and they can't do it. And now because they don't hit to get in shape, there's a lot more injuries. The Houston Texans are on their fourth center. They're on their third left tackle. They're on their third left guard. They're on their third right tackle. Only the right guard has been there all along since training camp. And they can't run block. It's no surprise. They do a good job of pass protecting, which some of that is C.J. Stroud. But they, they every line coach will tell you the reason offensive line play is the way it is, including a lot of the injuries, is because they don't get to do the proper work in the offseason and training camp. Nobody has full contact anymore, even in training camp. I want to go back to something that I mentioned during uh, my introduction of you. As a member of the Pro Football Writers, I'm sorry, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I should say, you are on the selection committee, and your name appeared on this on this podcast weeks ago when we talked with Warren Moon because Warren said that you really went to bat for him and made a, a, a terrific presentation to the committee that eventually saw him uh, really recognized as the Hall of Famer that he is. Um, can you talk about yes, the process uh, a little bit? Anybody, anybody can nominate anybody for the Hall of Fame. So the original list we get, and there's 50 of us on the committee, and they like to have, I think, the minimum requirement to cover the NFL is 10 years. We also have some Hall of Famers on there. We didn't for the longest time. We have Dan Fouts, James Lofton, Tony Dungy, and Bill Polian. 
and Dungeon Course, the only coach, and Polian, the only former general manager. And uh, so we, the committee gets an email with like 125. We have to cut it down to 25. And that's their semifinalists. And then they will cut it down to the 15 finalists plus two seniors and one contributor. And I'm also on the seniors committee. And we've already met and determined out of all of our ones we've considered for contributors, coach, and seniors, who's going to be nominated to the big committee. And they're rubber stamped. And so that's why I know Buddy Parker from the Lions is going to be the coach because it'll be rubber stamped. And so uh, we used to go to Canton, and then we went to the Super Bowl site, and now they they picked that we will go in the middle of January, the committee members, to Atlanta. We'll meet at the airport Marriott. We'll have our list of 15 finalists, and you present the guy that from your city, your team, and there's at-large members, and like you have five minutes. There's a big clock there. So you make your presentation, and then after it's over, others can chime in, and then they come back to you. Do you have anything to add? I always save a nugget for after that. And then when everything's over, they go back over it one more time. Uh, John McClain, you have anything to add on Warren Moon? I always save something for that, too, because there's a lot of great presentations. The guys that are finalists all deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. But I got to tell you, Warren was first ballot, and that wasn't me. That was him. The ones I presented that have gotten in have been Elvin Bethay, Oilers defensive man, Mike Munchak, Bruce Matthews, Curly Culp, Robert Brazil, and Warren Moon. They all played for the Oilers. And right now, I'm struggling. Andre Johnson, a great Texas receiver, he's gone from 15 to 10, but he can't get to, to five because if you get to five, you're in. And so he can't because he and Reggie Wayne and Torrey Holt, all great receivers, cancel each other out. And we don't know what to do. And I'm comp- competing mm-hmm. with Bill Polian and Tony Dungy. They're pushing uh, Reggie Wayne. And I'm like, geez, I'm going up against the Hall of Fame coach and general manager. But And it wouldn't bother me if Reggie Wayne or Torrey Holt went in and maybe we could break that log jam. But I'm working. I'm I'm working on a different presentation for January the 15th or 16th. I can't remember. And I need him to go from 15 to 10. And if he makes the final five, I'll know he's in. The great, uh, go back to something we talked about earlier. The great uh, Dave D'Agostino says that the uh, cognition test you were talking about earlier, the S2 cognition test, that's not right. That's why we call D'Agostino's fun guy. He's got, he's, he's, I he's bet a David would score well on that S2 Hey, John. Test. Oh, he's, he's the best. John, I, I can't thank Anytime you enough for the you time. Me I hope on, we can you do it again uh, towards the end of the season, timing. maybe do a recap. I appreciate you having me. It's a great meeting, meeting Dave. And I hope you guys uh, wish you the best. It's going to be a great rest of the season. And uh, I'm always available, Jerry. Anytime you need me. Thank you. Mega Media Star Hall of Fame member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, the great John McClain. David, you're up. 
No, thank you. Guys, great interview. John, I have to ask you, what, what movies were you Well, in? let's see what I can remember. Oh, here we go. Here the we first go. one was The Rookie with Dennis Quaid. The last one was Spring Breakers with Selena Gomez and James Franco and Vanessa Hutchins. And in the middle, I was in, let's see, I was in one called Make It Rain, Cook County, Invincible, uh, Secretariat, The Game Plan, and I may have left out one or two. Some of my favorites. None of this, not the Selena Gomez one, but the I Secretariat love, I love. When we, went to, rookie. we yeah. went to the premiere of the my mind's gone black. Oh, Spring Breakers. There's slow motion scene with topless women running up and down on the on the beach. And my wife leans over and says, there's too many breasts in this movie. I said, baby, there's no such thing as too many breasts in the movie. <laughs> I've known you were working. You were working. Did that well? No, we appreciate you coming on, and guy, we'd love to have you back anytime. And Jerry, great interview as usual. Just want to thank our audience again. Fifty-seven thousand plus subscribers. We appreciate you. It's easy to give this one five stars. Write some great comments so we can continue to battle positively the analytics of the podcast world, just like they do in Major League Baseball. We have a little better luck than they do sometimes. But uh, also want to thank Blackout Coffee. Their slogan: "Be awake, not woke." They're our first partner that we've taken on uh, in the marketing world. So go to their website. It'll be a link. There'll be a link in the show notes here. If you type in David, capital D-A-V-I-D, all caps, number 20, you'll get 20% off your first purchase and then 15% in perpetuity. Let's uh, start this friendship off the right way. Uh, Jerry, great show again. This is On the Record with Jerry Trupiano. Uh, tremendous, tremendous interview. Episode 344, Real Voices of the Game. That's it, guys. Thanks so much.